Hi, this is Pete from Tuesday Noon. Before we get started, a note on today's show. Our guest, Dr. Khan, has spent his life working to dissect the minds of those who perform evil around us. As such, some of the content you'll hear in the next hour is of a particularly adult nature. We believe this discussion is important, as is Dr. Khan's work, but be advised. If you find the discussion of pedophilia, sexual predation, serial murder, and the like to be offensive, please check back with us next week. Otherwise, listen on, and we hope you learned something from the experience, as we most definitely did. This week on Tuesday Noon, Dr. Stephen Kahn joins us to talk about his life's work with child molesters, sociopaths, and serial criminals. These are the characters that come together in his new book, and we'll invite them to the roundtable today on Tuesday Noon for September 5th, 2006. And here we are. It's another Tuesday, another noon. Uh, Hello. Seems like they keep coming. Hello, Mary. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Pete. Excellent. Uh, Jamie, are you here? I'm here. I'm, I'm just listening. <laughs> oh, Jamie. I'm pouting. After last week when you got yes. the smackdown. Yes. Pete smacked me down, so I'm on protest, so I'm just <laughs> going to sit here. You were being ornery. Well, we good. <laughs> Why not? Well, so you Dude, It's just like being a home I, for you, so, you know. I can't invite you to any sort of social function. No, you cannot. <laughs> Not unless you want to. I do. I will apologize occur. publicly, uh, uh, Jamie. I'm smart. I'm sorry. I told you that that would be enough out of you. Apology accepted. Thank you. Duly noted. Now, uh, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we have uh, one of our faculty members here with us who teaches in the criminal justice program, Dr. Stephen Kahn. Welcome, Stephen, Dr. Welcome. Kahn. Hello, everybody. Who I know. <laughs> we're, we're very excited to have him with us. Um, and well, why don't I let you? Uh, introduce yourself, Stephen. Tell us okay. a little bit about yourself, your area of expertise. All right. I'm a psychologist, and I've been working for the last 35 years in the field of corrections, among other things. But my first job after I graduated was with corrections as a psychologist for the state, where I evaluated and helped sentence uh, all different kinds of felons. After that, uh, I went out on my own, and I started teaching uh, full-time, too. I taught University of Portland for about 10 years and other schools. And uh, I worked uh, for the counties doing contract work and seeing other people. And eventually I fell into where um, I began to specialize in the area of sex offenses uh, because of the overwhelming numbers that were coming up at that time. And there weren't too many people who had worked with them. I had done extensive work with sex offenders at Patton Hospital in California when I was an intern, and they had a, uh, a ward of 500 sex offenders. California was way ahead of us at that time. But they had a Tascadero and Patton, and I was at Patton. And I got to know the uh, area pretty well, and I got to know the treatments pretty well. And when I came up here again, after my year and a half stint, uh, I got in with the corrections, and then uh, I ended up with them. And now I'm the consultant to Washington County Corrections. I do a number of things for them. I do research. I do. Uh, I deal with the POs, the probation and parole officers. I do some help with uh, other areas, and um, I'm kind of content in my little niche there. Well, you, you deal with all bit. the wackos. Well, are you allowed to call? Is that, that a politically correct term? term? Yeah. You know, there are a lot of psychotics who are in, involved in this. Oh, psychotics, okay. And these people are uh, really 
uncontrollable. They're out of they're out of touch. They're wackos. But the majority of criminals are very sensible and know what they're doing. In fact, they're the actors. They have the first shot at it. All we can do is react. And so they do. We try to stop. They do again. We try to stop. Everything we do, they can figure out a way to undo. There are people who figure out ways to pass polygraphs, pass plethysographs, uh, lie, cheat, steal everything. Only because they, they want to keep doing what they're doing. But who's this guy, maybe Mary, you're going to talk This John Bonet thing. This is what kind of... John, John Mark Carr. John Carr and, yeah. and, and the uh, young lady. And this is what kind of precipitated this idea of having this discussion was, who the heck is that guy? And what, what makes him confess to something that maybe he didn't really do? And what kind of people do this stuff? Well, you know, this guy Carr has been doing these things for some time. He was actually reported to be married to two 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds for a while. And he's been sort of, and he's been a school teacher. And we get a lot of school teachers who are involved in this kind of crime. But he's been sliding through the system, you know, getting a little punishment, but getting off a lot. Uh, what made him confess to this one? I don't know. He might be so guilt-ridden or so, or maybe he did go psychotic that he takes the blame for it. But I understand now that it's not him because they checked the DNA. And he'll be charged in California with some other crime involving child pornography. And he's just the kind of guy who uh, read up on it pretty well created in his mind, made an entire story of a fantasy, and then acted on it. And he got a lot of publicity. There have been other people who have confessed to crimes who, who didn't do them, but we find out. And they do it for a reason. They like the, uh, the uh, attention. Is that really it? I mean, is that really the, the, the attractant? Are they, they're after it for the, the high for them is getting the attention, is getting people to talk about them on some sort of well, scale? he gets the notoriety. Yeah. You know, he... he I don't know if he knew they were going to find out he didn't do it or not. Well, because that's actually another question. Do you think he believes he did it? Could be. I don't know how psychotic he is. I haven't seen a guy. Yeah. But if, if they do testing on him, he turns out to be paranoid or, or schizophrenic or some type like that. Sure, he could believe it. And he can create an entire story around it. He can make it sound so real, you'd believe him. So who are these people, the ones that... Are truly are guilty. Who are who are they? Can I sure. can I pick them out walking down the street? Can no. I say you can't pick them out? And uh, unfortunately, they could look at a bunch of kids in the street and pick out who would be the next victim. They can just see it, and you can't. Are they all these white guys that are balding? Uh, I mean, that's ten. We, we look at Ted Bundy. We see. I mean, that seems to yeah. be what we see on Ted TV, Bundy so. was had a head of hair. That's true. Dahmer had a head of hair. Gary Gunther had a head of hair, these people. Okay. So you're off the hook. Yeah. I find that the majority that are around, because there's more white people, but there's also a huge amount of minorities who commit these crimes. I've seen Asians and Afro-Americans and Hispanics, even from other countries, from Fiji, from Africa, from Asia. Just over here. It's not a, uh, a, so it's not tied a, a to provincial kind of crime where it only happens here and only certain people do it. Anybody does it. When you start mixing up a sex deviance with an, an unconcern for the victim and an unconcern for the laws or no morality, anybody could do it.
It's a matter of what kind of conditioning created them. What, what percentage of them were, had some sort of sex crime done to them when they were young? A good part. I don't know the exact amount, but a lot of, uh, for instance, I had a little boy who had been abused by a neighbor when he was about two. Because of his age, he, they, they couldn't uh, prosecute the fellow because he couldn't testify. So the guy got away with it, and the kid grew up, and the family had another daughter. And they came in one day, eight years later, and found the boy at about maybe six or seven, uh, dry-humping the daughter now, who was about two or so. So you can see it happened once, passed on. A lot of times it'll do that. You know, monkey see, monkey do. You are what you conditioned to be. That's why it's hard to stop this. But that isn't all the people. Some people just do it because it comes later on in life. There are three main types of uh, sex offenders we're going to deal with. One is the uh, called the uh, fixated. This is the type that I mentioned in my book. A fellow who gets enamored with young girls at, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old at a certain age, because maybe he's only about eight, nine, ten, eleven, and they're friendly with him, and he likes them, and he gets to know them. And as he grows older, he stays fixated on them. So even as he gets to be in his 20s and his 30s, these are the objects of his desire. And he goes out and actively seeks them. The uh, fixated offender is a person who has no, no anxiety, not, has no family ties. He travels. This one fellow traveled around uh, from city to city just looking for this, lived a while, looked for victims, moved on, moved on. Sure, they get caught occasionally, but they seem to slide out a lot. Uh, one of the people that I've seen, I mean, they, they range. One guy got 25 years for doing it. So they come down heavy on him now. Now, if you do a, if you uh, have sex with an under under eleven year old, you will get twenty five years guaranteed. But will that stop it? No. I mean, crimes against murder haven't stopped murder. It's not going to stop this. But the fixator goes about looking for little boys and girls, attracting them in some way, and occasionally they they will kill them. In St. Elizabeth's Hospital in New Jersey, there's a ward for sexual psychopaths like this who have actually murdered their victims. So here you are. Your child goes out for a play and you don't see him again because this guy was out looking for him. The other type, called the regressive, is a guy who has family ties, had no problems with anything, but due to circumstances like unemployment, an injury, illness, is at home. The wife's out working. Maybe the daughter's a home or the son's. And the daughter, in that case, becomes the wife's substitute. And he starts to see the daughter as the mother. And it ends up with sex. And I've had several fathers who have done this to the biological daughters. But more often it's done to the uh, adopted daughters or foster daughters. They just see them as uh, a substitute. And they're so, they have such low self-esteem themselves. They have no, nothing going for them. That, and they may be drinking, and they may be you know, drugs, and they find them desirable. And uh, th these are the majority of people who get caught that we, we hear about, that you see in the paper, the people who end up like this, the neighbors, their relatives, parents, just like that. The third group, it's a, a burgeoning group that just came on the scene about 
maybe 12 years ago, are teenage offenders. These are boys, 18, 19, 20, 21, so on, so on, who had sex with their girlfriends who were underage, as young as 14, 15, 13, and uh, sometimes with the parents' permission. You know, it's sometimes weird stories involved. And the parents, uh, either they get mad or the girl gets mad or a school counselor hears about it, they report it. And so the majority today that I'm seeing are these teenage, not teenage, they're young males in the early 20s or 18, 19. So. And uh, then they get a felony on their record. They get a rape-free charge, a felony, and they got to register for life and whatever else. So... You know, it's one of those things. I'm not always in agreement with, with what's going on because today's young girls are very aggressive. They lie about their age. They'll well, tell yeah, you. and suddenly you've got a, a rape three felony on something which oh, you waited three. No, no, no. You wait three or four more years, and it would have just been a really ugly breakup. Yeah, but you're not going to blame the woman for that. No, no, I, I'm, no, no and no, nor would I. I okay. and the court, I'm not saying I want to make sure that's not the case. No, so no, no, no. I'm defend, it, you know, well, well, she dressed that way and she made me do it. I blame the parents. No, I'm for saying not fostering an environment. Well, the court, so the court blames the offender because right. he's older. And you, yeah, yeah, but throw he's your older, throw the parents in jail. And They're, the law says 18. That's it, black and white. Why don't they throw the parents yeah. in jail? It's their fault. You know, oftentimes the parents are are just as responsible Absolutely. for the way to let the kid dress and go out, and they don't know where the kids are. The kids run away, hang out somewhere else, stay over at friend's house. Who knows what they're doing? Sure, they're going to get That's what young kids do. They get in trouble. It's like I did, and maybe you did. I don't know. Mary. I got in a little trouble. Okay. Hard to believe, Mary, but I guess so. <laughs> you, okay. I know, did. Well, yeah, I'm looking around the room, and I'm thinking on the trouble scale. <laughs> I clearly led the pack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's my question. Let's take the the first group that is that travels around that you're talking about that does this premeditated that's looking for it that this tries is the not to Bundy, get cut. Right? Ted, I mean, wh- where do they come from? And once we catch them once, why don't we just take care of the problem right there and let them out? Because right. they're going to do it again, aren't they? Okay, they come from anywhere. Okay, so they could be anybody. It could be your neighbor. Okay, so we can't yeah. identify them that way. But once we catch them, why do well, we let them out? They're going to do it again. I'll give you an idea of what happened here with one of the people that I use as a composite for this book. Fella got caught. Uh, he was uh, on probation, and he was supposed to stay away from all children. I had him under surveillance. He was passing polygraphs. So he'd get in his bus, and he'd go 20 miles away. And he'd walk around somewhere. They caught him in a fair, the Oregon State Fair. Not, I mean, one of Clackamas, Oregon City. And the PO at that time gave him like 20 days in jail. That was it. So this is a function of them just not being able to communicate. Well, I, I, I think don't you're get limited it. with violations like that. What you can give them? Yeah, I, I don't get it. Can you reform sexual predators? Not this fellow. Can you reform sexual predators in general? If we put 100 people in jail, do 50 of them come out reformed? Five? Well, it depends on what. If you put them in jail, no, none of them come out. But if you put them in a treatment program, for instance, um, it's mandated that all sexual offenders must go through treatment with any number of contra-therapists to do it. There are also other groups. I was director of a group called Parents United for like 20-something years. That also was a uh, support group for sex offenders and their families, trying to bring the families back together. Didn't always happen, but a lot of times it did. So when you combine all of these different modalities, 
your chances of, of having a person not reoffend are greatly increased. Without anything, it could be 100%. Now, these are the people talking about are the, re, are the people who are called regressive, the ones who had no history of it and just got caught up with a stepdaughter or a daughter and so on. The fixated people like, people like Bundy and such, you, you can't. You know how you cure them? Zap. Well, why don't we do that then? Why are we, why are we well, letting them out? Because Bundy murdered people, so they had them for that. Why do we let people out, the, the premeditated people that are running around, that are, that are picking up children or hurting people, why do we put them in jail for 20 days or five years or whatever and let them back out? Well, in, in, in Washington, now they have an island where they put certain ones who they know are incorrigible to have a change. There's only a couple of them, but it costs a million dollars a person. That's why. Where's the money coming from? Why does it cost so much? You just throw them on the island? And... Well, you've got to have somebody watch them. You, gotta t- you can't Why? keep them as a prisoner because they're not on prison anymore. They're free. Oh, Only you're keeping them on an island. So you've got to take them to town. You've got to go around with them. Can we sterilize them? Let's, let's sterilize them. That well, they, there is a, a chemical castration with Depo-Provera, but even that's given very sparingly. But if we did that for those offenders that are those premeditated ones, would that prevent them from injuring other people again? I don't think it would totally because I've known people like old grandparents in their 80s who had no sexual desire still get caught with their grandchildren touching them and fooling around having them touch them. So even without any sexual desire, you can do that. You just put them on the island, put a big fence around it. Good luck. Hang out together. I'm talking (laughs) Because what are you going to do? It offends me that we will take people who we know hands down cannot be reformed we put them back in society, and we make other people vulnerable. It's just, it, it, it's offensive, and it, it just hurts our society in general. And, and I'm sorry, let's just call it for what it is. And they're guys, and they're not going to be reformed, and they're not helpful for society, and they should be locked up forever. That's why I say we are reactors. We can't really stop it. Now, we can prevent, possibly, by going, I did a lot of education. I went to churches and schools and other groups and made talks about how to watch out for people like this. Um, Which is still reacting. I mean, you're still reacting yeah, to it. You may be able to stop else. the next one. See, in, this, in this book, I give so many examples of how the guy goes around looking for kids and how parents are so lax in their uh, babysitting duties that he's free to act. Although kids can do what they want. You get girls 12, 13, 14, who knows where they are? The mall. They want well, to go should. on their own. But yeah, you should know. I mean, you should. Isn't yeah. that the parents' Two people job? are working, you know. What yeah, you, we talk, yeah, we've talked about that. We go about that all the time. I we mean, do. that's really the, the issue, that we say parents should be working. We sh- say they should be more vigilant. They can't be in all cases. I mean, they just can't be. We don't live in a society like that anymore. I mean, I was very free in my neighborhood. It was very sheltered. It was, you know, it, there was this invisible wall around about a 10-square block area, and we had the run of the place. It was like a big backyard. We couldn't do that these days um, because this is where, that's where you would go to hunt. So a guy could be hanging out there looking for you hunting. Yeah. You know, right. And start a conversation. They're very friendly. They're very facile. They're very social. And they can get, you know, they groom you. The regressive people who are at home, they groom the victim, you know, through uh, favors and taking in places and nice words, you know. They can pick out who's needy. They know. And they, after they groom them a good enough time, then they start stepping over the line. 
Do a lot of these guys feel guilty for what they do, or is it a very remorseless? Oh, yes, they feel guilty. The ones who are at home feel guilty. They're regressive. They go through what we call a deviant cycle. Let's say they're at rest. Then that desire starts to creep up and go around, you know, and they're trying to fight it, but they can't because they keep pushing it. They keep looking. They keep looking down the little girl's dress or up at her legs, or they fantasize, or they masturbate to them all the time. And it gets up and up and up, and finally it reaches a point where they can't control it, and then they act on it. And after they act on it, then they feel remorse. It starts coming down, and they feel guilty. Well, I'll never do it again. Oh, I'll, get, I'll go to jail. What's wrong with me? And it gets down to rest again. But after a while, it starts building up it again. back up. Yeah. yeah. The cycle can, can be uh, weekly, monthly. I've had people do it every three years. You seen any, um, any women? Oh, yes. What's the, per- no. what's the percentage? To, what's very the percentage? small, very small. There are women sexual predators? Absolutely, absolutely. There are women who, uh, there's a lot of babysitters, like to have liberties with their little boys they have. I had a woman who uh, went to prison for many years because she, she had the two little kids that she was having, putting objects and, you know, doing things like that. Uh, there are mothers. I had a mother who had sex with her son. We have things like that. And is that a lot of times the, the mother who there was no father in the home, so in some ways the son became that in, in kind of the same, they started to see their son as more their partner, of more their... Yeah, they, they probably act the same way the men do. Right, they're, they're the so, aggressor. Kind but of there's kind of so thing. few of them that it's hard to put a, get a good handle on it. Now, now, there are other kinds of sex offenders who are not in the, uh, to be lumped in, but people do lump them in. There are people who, for instance, uh, exhibit, you know, they, they'll pull their pants yeah. down, they'll masturbate in front of a crowd. There are people who peek in windows, like voyeurism. There are people who make nasty phone calls and you know, you know what, <laughs> that kind of thing. I recognize that. Oh, but that was you, Pete. That was, <laughs> yeah. It sounded kind of familiar for uh, a second. But. There are people who yeah. write letters. You know, I had one guy used to call up, used to pick out family, just call up a number. And if, let's say a man answered and says, uh, this is Sergeant Jones of the police department. Uh, sorry to tell you, your daughter was uh, severely injured in an accident. Now, how many times you can believe they had a daughter who was not home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'd freak out. And then he'd go through a whole story and hang up. And that's what he was doing. So these are people who are annoyances and pests and uh, bring a lot of grief. But they're not the same as the sex offender who actually goes and gets a little child in a bad way. But yet people plump them together. Just, uh, there's an awful lot of uh, exhibitors out there. I had, we had one guy who we knew did at least 2,000 before he got caught. What's wow. it, what, what? 2,000 2, instances yeah. of exhibitions. What's it take to stop? Oh, 2,000 What's exhibits. it take to drive your car here, get out, hey, little girl, want to show me directions? Be exposed, drive away. You want to go to a mall and do it in the mall and run off. You don't catch these people that easy. The, only, the, the, the ones we catch are the real dumb ones who do it from their home windows. <laughs> oh, no. In fact, one did it right across the courtyard to a woman, and she happened to be a deputy sheriff you know, in, in civilian clothes. <laughs> but these are the exceptions. Voyeurs, they're very shrewd. I've had them tell me that they can drive around neighborhoods looking, you know, and, and they can spot the exact place they want to hide out to peek in windows. And there may be a tree there or a bush or, you know, something. 
and they'll look and they see a light goes on. Only occasionally do they ever see anything. So is it a game for them? Well, it's an obsession with them because they masturbate when they do it. Don't forget, these people are looking for a satisfaction. That's what they call a deviant. They're looking for it. Don't tell me the people that are doing this are like walking down the street as lawyers. And They're walking right in the, this room, maybe. I don't know. Well, I, no. They could be I in, in a small room. room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm looking around. Uh, no, not I in I mean, could room, you really but, tell that yeah. Bundy was a, a sexual psychopath if you met him somewhere? He was know, so, he was so uh, uh, friendly and pleasant and social and intelligent. Yes. So I think, though, sometimes that we get this perception that the guy that's hiding behind the tree that's you know, looking at somebody's window who's a perv is is weird-looking and comes from a social economic class or whatever. And you're saying that's not necessarily Well, he true. might be. I mean, he might not look as good as you think he should. But, you know, that's no big deal because a lot of people are weird-looking walking around the streets all the time. A lot of people generally look weird walking around the streets. Maybe they didn't do anything. You don't know who it is. You can't tell by the car they drive. You don't know anything about them. That's the big problem with it. There's no sign. Now, people who get caught oftentimes have to put a sign on their window saying, sex a predator lives here. No children allowed. Right. That's the only time you'll know who they are. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't know that, you wouldn't know them. Well, uh, didn't we just pass a law in Washington, D.C. that has a national database now that brings everything, all the states together so yeah. you can look it up and yes. who's in your neighborhood. You can do it right here in, in Oregon. You yeah. Do it in Hillsborough and Portland. You can find out by zip code where how many people live, are next to you mm-hmm. or, or by area. Or you know. Do sexual predators, though, normally travel out of their area to find... If they're on victims? supervision, they can't. Okay. If they're off supervision, they can go wherever they want. That's that's now parole, right? That's like yeah. Well, uh, or probation or parole. Yeah. Are they wearing like ankle bracelets to know that they left, or we're just saying? If they're on supervision, uh, no. So maybe occasionally when they, they they may get an ankle bracelet or something, but most of them are walking around free, and the uh, probation officer is the one who has to keep check you know, keep on check them. on them. But you know, there's one probation officer for maybe a hundred and something people. And uh, it's not easy. They can get away. I just had a guy. He just got arrested Tuesday. He, he sent to me. He's a young fellow was sent for having sex with a young girlfriend who he's in love with. She's only about 15 or 14. And then he got caught riding in the car with her again. So he did 20 or 30 days in jail. And last week he got caught again for doing it. So in spite of all that we say to him about it, try to reason he still does it. Interesting. That will do about six months. So when we go back kind of to the um, law that was passed in D.C. And, and the registering of, of sex offenders and everybody can check, so even, even the example, that category you talked about, the teenage category of I'm 18 and I have sex with my girlfriend who's 16, I get the rape three, by, those people are on those lists too. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. But they're not really sex offenders. Well, they are in the law. Because, you know, they'll give you the same story. Well, she looked 35, you know, or something. Or maybe she had fake ID. Or you know, she was dressed up. Well, look, young girls want to look older. Because back to the and, parents. Yeah. And girls want like older guys. And look yeah. at, I mean, advertising. Well, there's luck for you and I then, Pete. 
because we're getting older, so <laughs> maybe we'll be old. attracted. Until there's a point. Yeah, there's oh, a, a, a deflationary yeah. curve. Yeah. Are you right? saying we've passed that point? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. I'm right. I'm at the same age level oh. as you. We got to talk to somebody young. <laughs> Do a lineup. Pete, good luck. <laughs> But there's a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure on young kids to look older and to do more things. You know, we, the childhood seems to be going. And to grow up so fast. And, yeah. By the time they're 11, 12, they, I look at some of them, wow, amazing. Uh, yeah. What can our children do or what can we do as families to help protect ourselves? Children are very hard to explain things to because once they get their hormones going, they're going to do what they want. I mean, look, we all knew things. We were told things. Did what we wanted to. So it's very hard. The parents can do more by being more vigilant, more alert, knowing who, the, who they're with, where they are, what they're doing. A lot of times they go out, yeah, I'll see you later. Okay, who you with? My friends, goodbye. And you don't know where they are. Uh, You've got to just keep close tabs. Uh, schools can only do so much because, you know, all they can do is report what they hear. You know, if they hear, you know, it must be reported by anybody. You hear about a sex offense. The parents are, little, are, are the main line. And, uh, is there know. a is there an age where? What where would be the the time in a child's life to discuss some of these issues with them? And when is it too soon that it's not a good thing? Well, we started very young because a lot of little kids are uh, vulnerable. So you like, kind of what start are you talking simply about? Little, with you shouldn't, nobody little, should touch four, that area. Five, three, four, five, six, you know, little kids. So do you just go simply with things like, you know, only you and and mommy and daddy should touch that area and anybody that does, I mean, do you just start kind of simply? Well, and, number and, one, don't go around with strangers. Don't go with anybody if they ask you to go look for their dog or something. Mm-hmm. Stick close to us. Let us know where you are. Um... Avoid the places that are kind of hidden, where people can be hiding. And we start this when they're really young, but just if you try to catch them young with very simple commands. You know, don't do this, make sure of that, this and that. You know, by the time they get to be in their teens, you can explain a lot, but oftentimes they'll, they'll still go off and do what they want because they're drinking and they're smoking dope, you know, and, and things are getting very loose. And now they got the ecstasy and other things, you know. My kids have a code word that they're not supposed to go with anybody who doesn't know it, and it's just something we've used in our house. So That's a good idea, code word. Idea. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But these guys are real good. This fellow in the book that I... Well, they wouldn't know it's later, Hosen. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Got to change the code yeah. word now. <laughs> the fellow I wrote about is a composite of many offenders put together. And uh, he's, he's very, very good with kids. He doesn't relate well with adults, but he relates well with kids. And he can get them to, uh, and this is not an, an exaggeration, he can get them to come closer, to sit on his lap, to let him massage them, you know, and all these things. He can deal with, he can go out with women and who have children and look, and look for those particular women and get into their good graces. And uh, he can even have sex with them or anything else. His main object is to get the kids. Maybe talk, I'll tell her a story tonight or, oh, I'll put Tucker in. And before you know it, he's got his hands and she, you know, all over her. Because that's his main objective. Uh, do sexual predators look mostly for boys or girls, or is it about the same? Or well, the majority are girls. Okay. Probably about uh, you know five or six girls out of ten are being molested. What? Well, about five or six out of ten. So half of all our oh, girls yeah, are being sure. molested. Maybe more for all I know. And of boys. No, hold on. I don't. 
Really? Half oh. well, married people? You don't hear about shot. it. You don't yeah. hear about it. Wow. And people don't talk about it. That's unbelievable. Well, it's too yeah. easy. It's so simple. I am flabbergasted. I am. Now, so, to make, so you're saying that five to six out of every ten females is getting molested. Yes. Really? And of the oh. boys, it's about three or four. But with the boys, you know, they're more daring. They're more adventurous. It's, it's not too hard to get them to go places and to do things. With Whereas you. girls are a little bit more apprehensive. Well, girls, you know, are, are a little more protected. But oh. even when they're protected, these guys Pete? can get to them. What, t- uh, terrified, yeah. always, yeah. just yeah. getting out of bed uh, and yeah. looking at my little daughter. girl, yeah. you know, Jamie four years old. How old your daughter? Four. four. Yeah, well, you got to, you know, you, you got to look at it now. There are guys who are looking at her right now that you don't know about. Oh, that's just awful. Oh, yeah. That's just oh, yeah. My kids are, two girls are seven and ten. Another prime age. Gee, oh, thanks. Yeah. Sure. And how, and how often is it, is it fairly common that it is family members? Most, Mostly most, family most family members. Not the guy in the bushes hiding behind with the candy yeah. and all that. It's the family member. The majority are these regressive type grandparents, uncles. Uh, sometimes they even pass the kid around when they know when they have her. I've had fathers and sons in these. Right. I've heard groups. of grandfathers and fathers. And yeah, but I had fathers and sons. You know, and wow. grandfather, uh, grandfather. Never had a grandfather and a son. I had a father and a son. What do you think makes? Um, in those situations, the, the female, say maybe the mother, look the other way. Well, you really don't want to be the one to know these things. So it's just, you just don't times, want to admit it. The little girls tell the daddy's doing something, you know, the stepdaddy, the, and she'll say, oh, don't make up stories like that. Just, yeah. just go, don't, I'll, I'll slap you. Because the mother is afraid of losing a number of things like the economic situation, the home life. Being alone again. The fantasy she's created. So, she, I had a guy when, when I was in California. He had four daughters. The wife worked, and he was having sex with all the daughters. And mm-hmm. the wife said she never knew a thing about it. But he was now in a in a, in a mental prison hospital, and, and you know, how did she really not know about it? And she and they, she still wanted him back. Wow. <laughs> and the daughters wanted him back home. What? Yeah, there were four daughters. Wow. From age, age from like, I think it was like 13 to about 17 or 18. Man, that's dysfunctional. Stephen, I've got to ask you how, do you, uh, how do you do this line of work? Yeah, good question. Because I want to go home and shower and wash. I mean, seriously. Uh, well, I mean, this is, you... uh, truthfully, this, yes. is, this is a very uh, no, disheartening and do it for so long. conversation. Yes. And you have been very, succe- very successful. You've been doing it a long uh, time. How do, you, how do you do this? What is, what is the attraction? Well, I can't say to you that it doesn't uh, bother me at times. It does. And there are times I take things home and I've got to think about them at night and figure out ways of resolving something. But I always take the optimistic view that if I can help someone stop these things, that it eliminates future victims. And I'm always looking to do that. And the majority of people I've seen, they have stopped, at least as far as we know. They haven't been arrested again. They haven't uh, come up with records anywhere. There are a few that uh, get away. Can't help that. Mm -hmm. But if you can keep a lot of them from doing it again, then it's worth it. I, I would think there would be fairly high kind of turnover in your field. People who do get worn out by it and discouraged. And Among the probation and parole people is a big turnover, yes. Yeah. They like to uh, they, they stay so many years. A few of them can stay a long time. A few of them have stayed 20, 30 years, but 
Most of them you'll see come and they'll stay a while and they'll go. Uh, it just wears you down like anything else. You're dealing with these same people all the time, hearing a lot of the same stories, although sometimes there's new stories. You know. Who do you think really killed John Bonet? <laughs> Yeah. Is this the gossip column section of our show? Well, you know, we're coming full circle. Yeah. That's where we kind of started. Well, you know, this is this is, the John Bonet thing is actually really close to my heart. I was actually in in uh, doing my undergraduate work at University of Colorado when this whole thing happened, and one of my instructors was Mike Tracy, who was at the journalism school. He's the guy who has been exchanging emails with John Mark Carr for four years, and and uh, and so you know, I, I sort of remember the place being inundated with press. You know, I, I look at the parents and say, what. What did the parents create here? They created this little icon who everybody could look at and admire, and those who are, are really sick could look at her as a beautiful, ooh, gorgeous, desirable sex object. Because some of those outfits oh, she, were a little oh, man, I've only sexy. seen a few, few little Well, she uh, was a, a six-year-old runway model. I mean, that's... Essentially. She was. They made her up like a you know, 40-year-old, you know, yeah. and somebody... Got too obsessed with it. Who? I don't know. Family? Not family? Friend? Neighbors? Stranger? I don't know. Dr. Khan, the name of your book is The Other Side of Evil, Memoirs of a Predatory Sex Offender. Is that right? Right. It's under the name, I wrote under the name of Mitchell K. Stevens, because I still, I'm writing another book, and I'm still working with these people. So Okay. But the, but the name is, yes, The Other Side of Evil. And if anybody wants to know more about it, or, or it's not being... It'll be published in about another month. This is the final proof that I'm doing. Uh, they can email me at um, ka5a at msn.com, and I'll keep a list of the uh, names and give it to the publisher, and then they can send them out. And the price will be, uh, it won't be much, $15, 18 Will it be on, like, amazon.com? And also yeah, it'll be account? on the uh, okay. uh, internet and again, it's the other side of evil under Mitchell Stevens. Mitchell K. Stevens. Mitchell K. Stevens. Yeah. And this I, is a composite. This is a fictional character. This is a novel of a of a composite of several people that I've known over the last 20, 30 years, and I put it together to make one predatory offender with every possibility that you could look for. And is it is it a nonfiction account, nonfictionalized or fictionalized or? Well, it's a, it's a fictional account of actual. Events. Okay. Of those people pulled together into yeah. one character. Yeah. Very, very I, I wrote it for the uh, general public, actually. Yeah. Parents, teachers, and such. So they can get some idea of what kind of deceit, and what kind of uh, uh, schemes these people go through to get their way. Because they do get their way. Well, I look forward to reading it. When, Truly when it's done, just let I'm, us know. I'm yes. frightened. <laughs> well, I am too. Yes. <laughs> wow. I, I applaud your work. I really do. I do. For I all have of us. I have great utmost respect for you. Wow. That's, wow. It, I don't know that I could do it because I would take it home with me way too much, mm. and it would just chew me up. At times I do, but uh, look, other things in my life to do too. Wow. Thank you. Excellent. Sure. Thank you. Appreciate for you coming here. Glad to be here. Okay. Well, it wraps up another Tuesday noon, huh? It, it sure, sure does. does. Another week, another Tuesday. We'll see you next week We're on out. Tuesday noon. Thanks. Thanks. 
This has been Tuesday Noon for September 5th, 2006, a service of the University of Phoenix. For more information on the show, catch up with us on our website, www.tuesday12.com, and write us. We look forward to hearing from you via email at the show at tuesday12.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week, Tuesday Noon.